save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Here today on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Back in action for episode 41. So we're in the same boat that we were just a couple of weeks ago when we said that the Bucks are bad and it looks like they're getting worse. And that's exactly where we are now. Three and seven. You just lost to a Giants team that isn't that good. And, uh... We should continue to worry. There's a lot on our minds. There's a lot of emotions running through a lot of fans that I know. Especially after that game in Jersey. And uh, we're here to talk about it today. But welcome back to the show. If you're new around here, I am your host, the Bias Buck Fan Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And uh, Evan, this game in New York proved to be entertaining. 38-35, a final score, a little bit of a shootout, but... It wasn't really what you wanted to see, and the pattern continues. The Bucks shoot themselves in the foot, and here we are losing another game that we shouldn't have lost. But uh, what are your thoughts on on what we saw in Sunday? Just like you said, the the Bucks are bad. Uh, there's no real way around it. There's a bad football team, and there were two bad football teams playing on Sunday, and the home team won. You know, and and this is this is a bad team. As we both have said, as we've said multiple times here on the show, but I mean, the Giants were two and seven. We said two weeks ago this next three game stretch against Washington, New York, and then San Francisco next week. This is where they could have made a run. You lose to Washington, which is fine because we said we would deal with two and one, but now you lose to New York, who again is a team who really just, in in my opinion, doesn't have a fair chance to run the table the rest of the year like they claim they are. So, this Bucks team, now that we know, is is worse than we had ever anticipated. What is the biggest concern here? Because this team just got obliterated again. I mean, we had to get ourselves back into this game. It's the same routine every single week. So where is the disconnect? What is the biggest problem we have right now? Because there's so many glaring issues that I see. I don't know how to focus on one. Well, I mean, I think it has to fall mostly on the coaching staff, but I mean, I don't know. Secondary, secondary isn't good. Defensive line isn't consistent enough. Linebackers were awful on Sunday, even though can't really blame them. I mean, yeah. all three of the Bucks starting linebackers were out with injury. Uh, I haven't heard anything on Levante David. Um, I really haven't. So, um, and the Bucks were also missing Justin Evans. So, uh, yeah, you know. Defense isn't good. Defensive scheme isn't good. I mean, Duffner can only do so much. He can't change the scheme overnight. So um, it's basically the same scheme, and that scheme's not good. So um, the teams are going to to continue to shred uh, the Bucs' defense. It's going to happen again this Sunday. 
Um, I think the, the Bucks should have beaten the Giants. I think this is the only this is the last game the Bucks could have won. I do not think the Bucks will beat the Niners. Um, Kyle Shanahan's too good of an offensive mind to to not exploit that defense. Even though the Bucks defense does play better at home, I would expect a similar game, just like the one in Jersey. Except I think the Bucks start off on offense a little bit better. Okay, so let's break down everything that this team has brought to the table. So. The past few weeks, the common factor was a red zone offense that had no desire to put any points on the board, and then you have a defense that can't stop a goddamn thing. The offense looked better. We found ways to score. We didn't find ways to protect the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for three interceptions. That's not good. But other than that, Jameis Winston comes in the game, and this team finds a way to score, so I'm not complaining about the red zone offense as much anymore. But let's talk about this defense. As I mentioned before, they can't stop anything. And what I saw on Sunday was Jason Pierre-Paul poised to have a great day against his former team. But all that was thrown out the window when it looked like he had to do everything by his damn self. Too many times on Sunday, I saw Jason Pierre-Paul serve as the last line of defense on plays. That is not good at all. And I'm not saying that to try and worship Jason Pierre-Paul as I've done before because he has been a hell of a player. Had a sack and a half on Sunday. He went down with an injury. I actually haven't heard anything about that injury. Have you? Okay. Yeah, um, I'm sorry there. No, it's okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, my my mic was not working there. Um, anyways, no, I haven't heard anything. Um, you'll probably hear more on Wednesday when they practice again. Okay. Uh, the only thing, only injury up. Data really do have is it doesn't look like Justin Evans is going to play this week because he was in a walking boot today in the locker room. So yikes. So anyways, back to this Bucks defense. Talked about Jason Pierre-Paul being the last line of defense. The linebackers, which I mean these guys are hurt, and you had said they were terrible, but it showed just how bad they missed a guy like Levante David and Quan Alexander. It was bad. So too many times on Sunday, I saw Jason Pierre-Paul in a position where nobody was behind him to stop the play except for the safety who is obviously in coverage somewhere else and then your secondary guys who who the hell knows where they are because they were busy letting wide receivers run, uh, run wide open routes all day long. Every time Odell Beckham Jr. caught the ball, I mean, there was no Buccaneer within five yards of each side of him. It was too easy. And it continues to be too easy. And it's not going to get better. So, we suck. We suck, and, and I don't think this is anything that's going to be able to be changed before the end of the season. So, when you're 3-7, and seven, obviously I don't think the Bucks win six in a row, run the table, go 9-7. and seven. That's not happening. But, what's got to be fixed first? I, I mean, you know, this defense has, has been the downfall of us this entire season. The offense has had its moments. For the most part, it's done its job, unless you're in the red zone the past couple of weeks. But, I mean, my question to you is, is, is what do you address first this offseason? Well, I, you got to get new coaching staff. That's that's obvious. Um, that's the biggest problem with the Bucks right now. You know, obviously the coaches aren't the ones missing the blocks. The coaches aren't the ones missing the tackles. They're not throwing the interceptions. But if you look back at Dirk Carter's offenses. Now, I mean, yes, Todd Munkin is calling the plays, but Todd Munkin, it's a very similar offense to Dirk Carter's offense. 
Like it's not Todd Monken's not coming in here with a whole different offensive scheme because then yeah, I mean that'd be asking too much. That'd be asking too much of the offensive players in training camp to learn two offensive playbooks. So it's pretty much the same. It's just Munkin is able to to dissect the defense's weakness better, and he's able to call the right play at the right time. That's what he does better than Cutter. Yeah. Um, Cutter's offenses historically create turnovers. Um, you look at Matt Ryan in Atlanta, had a couple of down years with turnovers. You look at Blaine Gabbert's early years with the Jaguars, had turnovers. Um, and then, you know, you, you look at Jameis Winston this year and Jameis Winston's whole career, really, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick. This offense just, there's a high turnover rate. And on a defense, Mike Smith ruined this team. Um, because, like I said, his scheme is just so bad and so outdated. If this was 10 years ago, the Bucks might be not a 9-7 and seven football team because that scheme works then. But to, in today's NFL, you need to tackle with more speed. Um, and Mike Smith was trying to do some sort of hybrid 3-4, 4-3 thing with some corners playing off coverage. Like they had On some plays, they had Brent Grimes playing zone, but on the other side of the field, Carlton Davis playing man. Yeah, like you can't have that. You can't have one side of the field do one thing and the other side do the other thing. That can't happen. So it's got to be a coaching staff. Uh, it it's got to be. Um, obviously, the players. Obviously, some players are going to change. There's going to be new players. There's going to be players leaving. But first thing you got to do is, I mean, that that day after um, after the Bucks last game. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure. What date it is, but I know it's against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, that that game, it's okay. It's Sunday, December thirtieth. So Monday, December thirty first, the day of New Year's Eve. My birthday. Um, he, hey, there you go. Uh, that you're gonna get a birthday present if you really want Cutter fired because it's gonna happen. Now at this point, because a narrative that I've seen, and I think the oh, first also, person. Sorry, a little side note: if if Cutter is fired, that would mean that. Um, you know, his last, his, his first official head coaching job or game for the Bucks was against the Falcons, and his last one was against the Falcons, which was his former team. Yeah. So it all comes full circle, I guess. I, I don't know, man. Something about these weird occurrences in the NFL. Did you see that whole thing about Deshaun Jackson um, uh, against the Giants? It was like... Uh, it, it was something that tied together the number 11. So he wears the number 11. He's in his 11th year. He's caught 11% of his total passing yards against the Giants. He's got 11% of his total touchdowns against the Giants. It, it, it like all tied together on this number 11 against <laughs> New York, and it was kind of funny to it's see. Weird. But, it's weird. Yeah, and then the Giants were too scared to, to punt it to him. Yeah, yeah, that was good. When that crowd started booing, when he took the field to return that kick, I, I got a little hype. I know we were losing at that point, but I was kind of excited to see what could happen because we've seen him do dangerous things in New York. But I'll tell you something we didn't see him do in New York this past Sunday. I didn't see him give a shit on the last play of the game. I saw him slow down at the end of his route and just jog it off. When he was in clear contention for that football, had he looked up and given a damn and ran the route, he could have had that. 
I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he would have caught it 100% in traffic. But if he would have put forth an effort and been a team player, maybe he could have put a little bit of pep in his step and we could have been in a position to come back and be in that game. Am I mad about it? Yeah. Am I blaming the entire game on Deshaun Jackson? No. But I think he should have given a damn on that last play. Did you see what I was talking about? Uh, he yeah. Kind of jogged off. Yeah. My, well, my my biggest thing was not necessarily that. My biggest thing is if you look closely, when the ball is is coming to Jackson, he he, he kind of he doesn't extend his arms at all. No, he doesn't he just, put in an extra he, effort. He just sort of puts his hand out there. I feel like if, if he could have extended his arms, he at least could have knocked the ball away from the defender, which would have given the Bucks another shot. And that's the crazy thing to me, too, is that I get it. He's a little bit older of a receiver. He's not the same guy he was five or six years ago. But he has shown a clear lack of effort, along with a couple of other veterans on the team who I have mentioned before. But, I mean, this is just lack of effort. We've seen it plenty of times where he has a ball he can clearly just reach his hands out and try and interfere with. He doesn't have to die for the football. I'm not expecting him to throw himself into caution to try and catch a football that'll only get us 30 yards down the field with a running clock. That's not what I want, but I want an effort. He goes week in and week out talking about being a team player and doing what he has to do for this team and hoping we can change the culture and win. That's all bullshit when you go on the field and just look uninterested. And that's what I feel like we've seen from him far too often. Yeah, it's, I mean, you never want to accuse a player of just not trying, but it's there's hard been to times where when the evidence is right there every week. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. And, you know, it was funny to me. I, I saw people on Instagram. <laughs> you you want to talk about blame Jameis. I saw <laughs> people on Instagram. I saw people on Instagram. I don't know why, I don't know why Winston rushed that throw. I, I don't I don't know. He threw way ahead of him. I, I had a guy I had so, a guy come out. So you're me. you're blaming Jameis for the loss again? Come on. I had a guy come at me and say, "Oh, because I had made a comment on a uh, on a particular post, and it was something along the lines of after Fitz had thrown his third interception, I was like, we benched Jameis for this. And then after the game, he's like, "Oh, that last play from Jameis, that was exactly what you wanted, huh?" And I'm like, "Yeah, the the four straight scoring drives before it were pretty fucking awesome too." When I thought I thought James Winston couldn't throw deep. Maybe it's Deshaun Jackson, huh? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just saying I'm just saying maybe it's Deshaun Jackson. So everybody says, well, okay, he can't hit Deshaun Jackson deep. That deep ball to Mike Evans was pretty good. That deep ball to Mike Evans was perfect. And I'm not saying that he has the potential to do that every week because we've seen him come up short on deep balls more than we have seen him connect on deep balls. But Let's get back to this narrative I was talking about before, because I don't want to lose my point. I've got a bad habit of like kind of just getting off topic and talking about something else and then not remembering yeah, the yeah. point that I wanted <laughs> to happens, make before. So happens. we had talked about, uh, you had said Dirk Cutter, December 31st, day after his final game with the Bucks. You think he's going to be gone. I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a dead man walking as well. But... This is a narrative that I've been thinking about since it was brought up, and it was Greg Allman brought it up, Tampa Bay Times. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but the comment 
was that Jameis Winston or Dirk Cutter is going to be here next season. It's not going to be both of them. Mm-hmm. So you came out and said Cutter is gone. Do you have a good feeling Jameis is back next year? Yeah. I've so, said this on this podcast. I'm going to say it again. So let's say that Jameis goes out here, starts the rest of the season, which I believe he will. I'm sure you do too. It only makes sense at this point. But let's say Jameis goes out here, starts the rest of the year, and throws three picks every single game. Are him and Cutter gone? Because Cutter's already gone at this probably. point. Probably. Okay. Yeah. So, so there probably. is a possibility and, 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 that neither of them make it to the end of the or make it to next season. Yeah, I mean, unless he throws every game, unless he throws six touchdowns along with those three interceptions, yeah. <laughs> like if he throws six touchdowns and three picks every game, I think they might give him a shot. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I if 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 he if he's that bad, if, if he's Cincinnati bad again, for one, even if he has another game like Cincinnati, I don't take him out. You're staying in. You you are in to 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 close out the year. You're in. And this is the guy that you want to pay attention to. That's the point that I've been trying to drive home on these live streams we've done the past couple of days. I've had people asking about why Jameis would start the rest of the year as opposed to a guy like Ryan Griffin, who I think is. Ryan Griffin does his job. He doesn't have any NFL snaps or experience. I don't. Yeah, but in the preseason, he does his job as a backup quarterback. That's exactly a what third it is. String quarterback. I'm not worried about Ryan Griffin being here next year or the year after because, quite frankly, I think he stays with the Bucks until the end of his career, three or four years from now. But yeah, people don't realize he's like 28 years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's been in the league, like, seven years now. The way that I look at it, and the point that I'm trying to drive home, is that you aren't going to think about putting in a guy like Ryan Griffin when you have Jameis Winston, who is healthy, ready to play, and ready to be evaluated on a team that faces no pressure to succeed because you are deciding whether or not you want to pay this guy $20 million. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the... Pure. That I mean. I mean. That's the reason he's starting. Whether you like him or not, you have to think about the logistics of it. And I feel like a lot of people aren't thinking about that reason. And so when I go out and publicly say I think Jameis is going to be here next year, I'm the crazy one. So I just want to put out there my two cents and my plea, and I guess the way that I see it. So hopefully some mature people can take that and say, okay, I see his point of view. He's not smoking crack, like I've been told. But I think James, <laughs> I think Jameis is here next year, and I really, really hope he turns things around and uh, finishes the year strong because he looked good against New York. He really did. That fumble, yeah, though, well, that fumble uh, pissed me off. Trying to play hero ball. That fumble pissed me off. And he trying had a couple ball, of instances. I'm not going to lie. He looked great against New York. But he had a couple of instances where that could have been another two or three interception game. He got bailed out a couple of times. Yeah. Well, it probably would have turned into a two-interception game because – if you count the last one, because yeah. there both, both there was two throws that were sort of bobbled on one drive by the Giants. Yeah, so Dude, that would have ended the drive. And I almost pissed my pants that drive. Like I almost had an anxiety attack because every and time it was I a touchdown. Jameis, every time I see a Jameis Winston tipped pass, I just I, I immediately just kind of like cower down and watch the TV in fear of what's going to happen in the next five seconds. You know what kind of what what's kind of bad is I had said before that drive I had said to the person I was watching the game with I said here comes the Winston turnover I said I said the the defense got to stop it was like thirty it was like like thirty one to twenty yeah like thirty one 
and still at the time, I was like, here comes the turnover. I was like, and that's going to end the game. But I was close. But nope. Thank God, though. Yeah. So let me wrap up this whole Fitz versus Jameis thing because we spent a little bit too much time talking about it. And to be quite frank, I want this to be the last time that we talk about it. And I've said that every time before we spent a segment talking about this because it's been – I'll be honest, I think it's really the only thing keeping the Bucks relevant in Tampa Bay week after week. If there wasn't a quarterback quote-unquote controversy, I don't think a whole lot of news outlets would be talking about the Bucks right now. But let me wrap it up by saying this. What I saw these last three weeks was Ryan Pickpatrick turn the ball over eight times after the franchise quarterback was benched for turning the ball over. Why Jameis didn't start against New York, I have no idea. He's the guy you want to pay attention to with $20 million on the line. He came into the game after Pickpatrick was pulled, led the offense to four straight scoring drives. He showed us a little bit of everything in that process. The wheels when he had to scramble, the deep ball to Mike Evans, which, oh my God, that was beautiful. And a pass attack that single-handedly put us back into the game. The fumble pissed me off like I brought up before, but the way that I see it, and hopefully you do too, Jameis is the clear choice for the rest of the season, and I rest my case on that entire discussion. I'm done talking about it. If you want to talk about it, you can, but I'm not going to have anything in rebuttal because I'm done talking about it. Locking it up, throwing away the key. There no, it is. I, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, only, <laughs> only if it comes up again, you know. If he throws four interceptions and they go back to Fitzpatrick, then he has to talk about yeah. it. But, um, you know, and I had said, I put out the, the question thing on Instagram story on the page, and I had basically said, you know, you know, fire away. And somebody asked me, who's the Bucks quarterback in 2019? And I said, Jameis Winston. And I put the little, like, asterisk things, and I was like, I, I immediately, and I, I put the thing, like, ducks and hides or something. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, everybody... I mean, some people swiped up and said, like, oh, you're insane or something. And other people are like, yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag right now. But, Definitely. I mean, this, these next six games are everything to James Winston. Um, it's going to determine his, his future here. Yeah. James Winston's going to get another shot in the NFL. His, I, his career's not his career's not over. I think However, he's... sorry, go ahead. His time in Tampa might be. Depending, I mean, if he balls out these six games, you better believe he's back. And I think Light's definitely back. But um, a lot hinges, a lot of jobs hinge on the performance of this guy right now. Yeah, and and you had brought up a point that um, that I was going to kind of get to was that I I think not only these next six games are super important to Jameis Winston, but Jason Light as well. And we've talked about this before with how you know Jason Light. If Jameis goes, I think he's gone as well because you don't have a lot of GMs who get the opportunity to choose multiple quarterbacks. So this is a very important six-game stretch. Even though we're not in contention for anything important like the playoffs or the wild card, you still got a lot on the line these next six games. Not so much for Cutter because I think he's gone either way. But let's keep an eye on these next six games. But I mean, Light's already in a rare case if he stays and Cutter goes to where you can hire two coaches. Even though yeah. I do think the Glaciers are going to consider this. Everybody says, oh, cool. Light's had two hires now. He's survived two head coaches. Uh-uh. Lovey Smith was hired before Jason Light. Jason Light didn't pick Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith picked Jason Light. So, he technically has not hired two coaches. But, 
normally in the NFL, GM gets one hire, get it right, don't get it right, you're both out the door. But yeah. Mark Dominic, Mark Dominic had two hires, and Greg Schiano. So I believe that that's what I think the Glaciers may see. And honestly, what may help Blake's case is if he can seriously convince the Glaciers that, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get Bruce Arians here, or I'm gonna get so and so here. Right? I mean, Bruce Arians that could be a match made in heaven. It really could. I mean, he he's got he loves Jameis Winston. He likes the Bucks roster. He has a history with Jason Light. He could already have his defensive coordinator and Brenson Buckner. They has a history. I mean, he's got a resume. You want to talk about fit? You want to talk about fit? It's a good fit. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's a good fit. And speaking of Jason Light as well, playing a role in what he has the ability to do in that building, we haven't mentioned it on the show, but Jason Light and a couple of people in that building are pretty big fans of Jalen Ramsey. And you want to talk about this defense and where we need help, the secondary being one of the top concerns. All signs point this offseason to the Jaguars and Jalen Ramsey pretty much splitting up. Jalen Ramsey going to be on the open market. So if he sticks around, you bet your ass he's going to make a poll to get Jalen Ramsey in Tampa. And to be honest, man, Jalen Ramsey, Jordan Whitehead, Justin Evans, I mean, Carlton Davis, it's a young secondary. And I'm sure that they're going to bring in maybe some more help. But... That doesn't sound like a bad rough draft at all for me, especially when you've got uh, guys no, coming into their own and hopefully coming back with you know Vernon Hargrave is another name that's thrown into the mix. I think yeah. he sticks around. I mean, and, and yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, guys, we're not saying that this is a report from Schefter that the Buccaneers are interested in Jalen Ramsey. Oh no. The only thing we know is that Pewter Report had said Scott Reynolds, who has a lot of pull in that in that uh, in that one buck place right there. And he knows a lot of stuff, and he said that um, he had said before the draft, he had said that the Bucks were, there's a lot of people in that building that are fans of Vita Vea. Um, he said that they were, before the second round, he said, you know, running backs, Darius Geis, and Nick Chubb could be options, but there's a ton of people who love Ronald Jones inside one buck place. Yeah. Uh, now he said that... Um, there's a lot of people, most people inside one buck place really like Jalen Ramsey and Jason Light's at the top of that list. So uh, he said if, if Light stays, he would expect Light to, to try. Obviously, you don't know. That's not guaranteeing a deal's going to happen at all. You know, A lot of things have to go into a deal. But if you're the Buccaneers and you have an opportunity, you have to do it. I mean, I, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you your first-round pick this year. It just is. Um Ask the Bears if they're missing their first-round pick right now by trading Khalil Mack. They're not. Because they're leading the division. So they're leading the division at six and three, or seven and three, seven I believe. Three, while no. the Bucks are, yeah, while, while the Bucks are three and seven. So ask them if they're regretting that because I guarantee you they aren't. Exactly. So maybe some moods to be made. We really just have to pay attention to these last six games and see what's going to change and what's not going to change for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let's kind of go back to this game on Sunday. And let's talk about a glaring issue on the field for me. And I'm sure you as well. That was the offensive line. What the hell is going on? When you've got a nose tackle single-handedly beating double coverage to sack your quarterback, what does that say? It says that at this They're point, <laughs> the offensive line is the only thing holding the Bucks back on offense. Think about it. 
When you've got a quarterback who can utilize all of the weapons on that Bucks offense, we've seen some dangerous things, and that is consistently why they have been ranked the number one offense in the NFL. It's very hard for me to believe. But they are the overall number one offense in the NFL. They can move the football when the quarterback is given a chance. Uh, I mean, Fitzpatrick can't throw the fucking ball when the pocket collapses instantly. I have no idea how Peyton Barber continues to play the way that he has behind that line. Yeah, that's a heck of a game by him, by the way, on Sunday. You put Peyton Barber behind a competent O-line like the Saints or the Rams, and I guarantee you he'll run for 100-plus every single game. Oh, that's a pretty strong, bold prediction there. That's a bold prediction, but, uh, I mean, do you not see the possibility of Peyton Barber? I mean, it's Barber a possibility. Being a next-level I mean, running guy, back behind a top 5 O-line? I, I mean, you, it, the same case could be made for any running back, but Peyton Barber in particular, this guy has kicked ass these past couple of weeks. And the right side of the line just has been non-existent. DeMar Dotson got his ass kicked in New York. I've never seen him get stood up so many times, at least this season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. And in, in that right side of the line as well, why is Caleb Beninock still playing? You got your third-round pick God right knows. in the bench while number 77 gets beat on the line 95% of the game. And I get that Alex Kappa is a small school kid, and in a situation where he's got to take over for Beninock, he's going to be asked to change position. But just like everything else this season, what have you got to lose? I mean, I can't imagine that he's that much worse than Beninok is right now. He needs reps. Sorry, I was was about to sneeze there. Um, Yeah, Beninok's not good. And I I don't know what Kappa is doing in practice that is just forcing him to be inactive. I don't understand you want to know like what my guess how, is? How, like, no, okay, at least if Kappa plays, I'll, I'll get, I'm sorry about that, but you can say it then. If Kappa <laughs> plays, at least, you, at least you can say, oh, he's a rookie. Then right. is like, this is, this is his third year. Come on. My guess, my guess as to why Alex Kappa isn't playing, and it's the only reasonable guess I have, is that he's just fucking stupid and, and doesn't, doesn't know how to read oh. coverages or anything like that. Like, that's the only Jeez. logical reason as to why Beninok is still starting. I can't imagine anything else holding him back besides the fact that he's not able to learn everything he needs to learn to play that position. Like, I just can't imagine why else he hasn't stepped foot on the field. He's a third-round pick. Yeah, they traded up to get him. That's what I'm saying. Give him a chance. He was obliterating people in college. Like, he was mean. Caleb Beninok has not been mean. <laughs> you can be mean and suck, and I feel like you'll still do a better job than Caleb Beninok. I don't know, man. But this guy's got to get involved some way, somehow, because the right side of that offensive line, and I've seen a few people come out and say that Ryan Jensen is bad. I'll admit that he probably hasn't lived up to the hype, but... Could his subpar play be complemented by the absolute shit going on to the right side of him? I mean, when you've got guys missing blocks and getting beat. Yeah, it definitely is. That entire unit just needs help. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole right side of the line sucks. 
<laughs> I mean, if the Bucks got to find a, an option at guard, whether it's Kappa or a free agent or a draft pick, they got to find something. I mean, which, okay, you know, which, which really brings up the question to me. Looking at what you know now, if the Bucks would have lost that last game last year in New Orleans, they would have had the fifth pick. Bradley Chubb and Quentin Nelson were still on the board. Who would you take? Well, let's take a look at that Colts own line. Pretty much the best in the league right now I over know, the past five games. I know, but you also need Bradley Chubb on the NFL's historically worst defense. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I do think... Based on what I've heard, Bradley Chubb was number one on the Bucks board, so he probably would have been the pick. Um, I can't imagine that the Bucks would again n- neglect the the defense in the first round of the draft uh, because that would be. I mean, dude, if the if the Bucks picked Quentin Nelson, that would be out of what is it, uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. That'd be five drafts. Jason Light. And one of and one of them, he would have picked a, a defensive player in the first round. So I can't imagine they would have passed on Bradley Chubb. But Quentin Nelson sure looks like he would have been the better pick. I mean, Bradley Chubb's good. Bradley Chubb's going to be good. But right now, I mean, this offense, the two things. I, I heard you say this offensive line holding back the offense. Two things. One, the offensive line. Two, the turnovers. I, I've never seen a team... You know, be this bad, turn the ball over. Oh, and yeah. What also doesn't help, and I'm going to keep mentioning it every week, defense still has not forced a turnover. Not a single turnover since week three. One interception. Week three. Week. One interception on the year. My, my my high school team has more turnovers than freaking the, the Bucks do. It, it's, I mean, it's, I don't understand. Like, how can you not just luck into a fumble or, or luck into an interception? Something. Yeah. Like, I remember I was watching the Monday, uh, Sunday night game last night with my dad. And are, are you c- talking c- about that crazy-ass interception? It was, like, thrown into triple coverage, and then uh, I forgot his name, but 41 from Minnesota just came up with it? No, no, I was talking oh, okay. about... I was, I was talking about Kirk Cousins throwing it, you know, 10 yards over the receiver. And right into the hands of somebody. And my dad was like, see, why can't that ever happen for the Bucks? A QB just misses a throw so bad, and there's just somebody right there. Because like, you they, never have somebody right can, there in a position to make a play. They They're can, already covering the, the wrong side of the field. The quarterbacks don't even, they don't miss. The, but the Bucks turnovers are probably, I would say, 70% skill, but 30% luck. I mean, you got to have some luck. And right now, the Bucks. Don't have much skill and they have zero luck. What about a hundred percent power of will? I mean, yo, five uh, percent <laughs> pleasure, fifteen percent pain, and a hundred reason to remember the name. I forgot you got it. it. I thought you know how we roll it. around here. I, I, th- I you walked right I into that one. It. I was. I thought I thought you had <laughs> forgot it though. I was like, are you kidding me? We we had that thing perfect. And, but anyways, um. So yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's it's luck, it's skill, it's and right now they have neither. And Nick Mullins is gonna freaking shred this team. He he really is. I, it's not gonna be Oakland thirty four to three bad. 
He's going to get verified again on Twitter. Yeah, but, I mean, you better believe that the Niners are putting up over 30. Definitely. I don't know, man. I, I've got a sinking feeling about playing a, a team that's clearly worse than we are. But at this point, oh, you, no. you don't they, yeah, the Bucks are lose. <laughs> yeah. Be, I, be I mean, prepared. The Bucks will lose. It's just this sinking feeling that we go up against the Giants. I'm not excited for that game. And then now we go up against San Francisco. These are two games at the beginning of the year that we're like, ah, yeah. You know, I remember we said the Giants game was going to be close and come down to it because we're playing in Jersey. Well, I thought the San Francisco game. I thought the San Francisco game was going to be close too, but then once Garoppolo goes down, you're like, oh, oh okay, maybe not. Yeah. But, well, then Mullins goes yeah, out there and that, gets certified on Twitter yeah. in the middle of a game, so he's doing something right. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, look at this. So we've spent the majority of the show this week kind of just bitching about everything that the Bucks have have done wrong. Um, let's talk about some things that you know did go right against the Giants. Cairo Santos, he went out there, he did his job. New Bucks kicker Cairo Santos had a perfect day in Jersey, so let's hope he can keep that up. Um, you know, for me, mm-hmm. it, it feels great not having to worry about every single point after touchdown. Like I watched it with caution. Don't get yeah. me wrong; I paid <laughs> extra close attention to my TV. But I mean, he was hitting dingers. They were right down the middle. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're extra points, so I'm not gonna. Get, I mean, not gonna get they too excited. Dingers. Like I said, I. <laughs> I want, I want to see him sort of kick a field goal, but you want you know, to see him be challenged um, a little bit. Yeah, because extra points you're supposed to make them. So, yeah, you are. And extra points, he's at like a ninety, he's like ninety five percent or something for his career on extra points. Extra points aren't his problem. It's the field goals that. Or some and extra points. I mean, Kenzaro, yeah, extra points were were a problem, but I mean, they weren't the the one thing that was the problem with the kicking game, you know? No, but they uh, were the one thing causing us to chase down points and ultimately lose us games. Yeah, but they what kicker's best job to make the field goals. So I mean, obviously Santos had said in his interview, his first interview with the Bucks, he said, you know, hopefully I'm kicking more extra points. I don't want to be kicking field goals, but. You know, the Bucks offense is not going to score a touchdown every time down. But, I mean, one more note for this 49ers game. <laughs> Jameis Winston is going to have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only way they're going to beat the 49ers. It, it really is. Yeah. It, it, I'm just saying, if if the Bucks defense wants to force a turnover, now is the week to do it. If they don't do it this week, they're not going to. They're, they're not going to. Yeah. I mean... It'll definitely be interesting. Like I said, it's not a game that I'm excited to see, um, but it's going to be interesting. Another thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, and it really only proceeded to just get better this week, and that's running back Peyton Barber. Uh, I mean, I don't know where this surge of elite running back is coming from, but I'm really digging it, and I, I really I really feel good about him starting. Obviously, Ronald Jones, he's going to need to come into the picture once he's healthy enough to, and I'd like to see him get acquainted, hopefully next season. But Peyton Barber, he's going out there and doing his job. I really can't complain. This running game has really showed up these past few games. Yeah, I mean, you still hope that Ronald Jones is the long-term answer, and I honestly, I'm not sold on Peyton Barber, you know, being, oh, he's going to be a buck for the next 10 years or something. Oh, no, because... I think this is just a surge. Yeah. I, 
I think it fizzles out before that. the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I hopefully Ronald Jones comes back this week. Um, like I said, he practiced practiced last week, so hopefully he'll be able to practice again and then eventually play Sunday. Um, like we've said on the show, it seemed like he was getting into a kind of a rhythm, uh, which really sucks for him to get injured, but, uh, you know, we will see what happens. Uh, yeah. Peyton Barber's been, just like you said, though, Peyton Barber's been doing his job and doing it well. Uh, he's a really hard worker, which is which is impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got he's dragging linebackers with him, so yeah, you know, um, like I said, like he's <laughs> he's just a smaller Mike Allstott at this point. Like I mean, I'm yeah. not saying he's at the talent level of Mike Allstott. I'm not saying that at all. But the way that he and, runs, man, the, the way, power, the way, yeah, the, the the way he plays, he just it, it's tough to bring him down. And I'll say that's a that's a persona he's really seemed to adopt only this season because when he was starting last season or when he was in that whole starting discussion, I didn't see a whole lot of that from him. I didn't see him just powering through guys and, and making sure to lower the shoulder and be the hit on the hit at the end of the play, if that makes sense. Like, he's going to be the guy out here hitting people, not the running back getting hit. That's not something I've seen from him up until this season, but I've got no complaints with the way that he's played, so let's hope he keeps it up. Um, but here's our last bit of Bucks news for you before we go ahead and get out of here. Uh, this one is a heartbreaker. Bucks linebacker Kendall Beckwith, we just found out, is out for the rest of the year. Uh, this is following that car crash he suffered a few weeks ago, right around the time he was eligible to return. Um, you know, the Bucks missed Levante last Sunday, and they've been missing Quan most of the season. So this one's tough. Uh, we've seen just how badly this linebacker core needs help when none of those key guys are on the field. Um, so here's the wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, I mean, this sucks, man. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it really does. He he was a decent player his first year, and it sucks that, you know, this, this wasn't even football-related. You know, that's what sucks the most. Uh, it's just a freak accident, a car crash. Um, so, I mean, he'll be back next year. They're not. He's not going anywhere. No games in here. Um, so hopefully you can come back and, be stronger than ever. For sure, man. Wishing him a speedy recovery as we get ready for Thanksgiving. Now, Evan, um, we're going to talk about my Thanksgiving plans, but I wanted to ask you first, uh, you got anything going on for Turkey Day? Uh, not much. Um, Obviously some football, though, right? Uh, three games or whatever, right? You got the we got Washington, Bears and, Washington, Bears and Lions. Bears, Lions. Washington and Dallas. And then you got New Orleans and Atlanta. So, although I think New Orleans might run away with that one, but I mean, they look unstoppable right now, and I don't know yeah. how this Bucks team beat them week one. <laughs> I, it's 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 looking harder and harder to believe each week. <laughs> it, it really is, and you know that's something I can't really get off of my mind either. Is the fact that this team now taking a look at the Eagles and how they've played? Yeah, I can kind of see it. They're what four and five right now after being yeah, dismembered. I mean, four and four and six now, but yeah. I mean they. Absolutely killed that team. Yeah. Killed them. I mean, it was week one. Maybe they were just unready, but something, I mean, something just switched I, off. I think that's what it is. But yeah, <laughs> I think that's definitely what it is. I mean, week one, some teams just aren't the same. Like I said, the Saints typically don't start the season. So yeah, um, that, they, that's definitely what it was. <laughs> they definitely didn't hit their stride until they started coming back and ultimately being back in that game. But um, 
Yeah, a lot of great games lined up for Thanksgiving. So you're just kind of hanging around, eating turkey, doing all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, eating some good food, um, going over to families for dinner, and uh, yeah, it's having having a decent time. It's always it's always nice to you know get to sleep in a little bit. You know, you oh, know, yeah. they have to. I, I don't I don't do much in the morning for Thanksgiving, so get to sleep in instead of waking up at six. You know, I get to wake up at whatever time I want, pretty much. So. Uh, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, pretty much it. Uh, how about you? I think that's the best part of Thanksgiving is is really just, for me, it would be waking up, smelling all the food that's being made, and then you just starve yourself until right around 3, 4 o'clock <laughs> when dinner's all ready, and you can just, you can just go ham on everything on the table. Um, but I, I'm actually flying out to uh, Tennessee tomorrow, going up to Greenville, going to be hanging out with uh, my dad and that side of the family going to get to see my brothers and things like that. So that'll be a good time. Um, I'm up there for the week. We're going to be camping up in the mountains and riding some four-wheelers through trails and all that good southern stuff. And it'll be uh, it'll be 45 degrees outside the entire time. So it should be a good time, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited, honestly. Really excited. Got to nice, get a look at nice. this colder weather because I really haven't had <laughs> too many run-ins with it so far this well, year. Well, we just had a snowstorm the other day here, so... Nice, man. So when you came down, uh, just recently you came down for, I believe, the Washington game. Uh, did you get any did you get any cold weather while you were down here? Um, no, it was fairly warm. And based on the reaction I've heard from a lot of locals, it's it's pretty warm for, for that time of year. It's not normally as warm. It was like uh, mid I believe, one day I went to Universal's Volcano Bay at the Winter Park. Oh, yeah. And... Um, it was it reached like ninety that day. So, oh, um, yeah. you know, to, in all the years, I mean, we've been coming down there. We've been doing that little vacation thing for like seven, eight years right now, and and yeah, this is easily the hottest uh, that that it's been. And I mean, it was nice. It was welcome. It wasn't, you know, um, I definitely didn't. I I, I appreciate it for sure. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely. Definitely, apparently, apparently <laughs> hotter than than normal for that time. Which I mean, but normal in Florida is probably what 80, 70, 77 yeah. ish. You're looking at maybe I'd say normal for around Thanksgiving. You're looking at a high of seventy five and a low of maybe fifty later that night. But lucky for me, I feel like I'm getting out of here right on time. So it should be a beautiful week. Hopefully, you people have a great and beautiful week as well. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. Hope you guys do have a good one. Stuff your face in turkey and mashed potatoes and forget about this terrible Buccaneers team. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, or Google Play Music. You can follow the show on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow my new page on Instagram as well, at BiasBuckFan. Go over there, sound off on the Bucks, and just yell and curse and do a lot of the things that, you know, the Bucks make me want to do every single Sunday aside from drink. You can follow my co-host Evan at BucksWay, formerly Bucks Football, on Twitter and Instagram as well. And check out our partners at PewterReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. Check out our sponsors at CoolTowel.com. And by the way, it is the end of summer, beginning of fall, blowout sale over at CoolTowel.com. They have a special sale going on right now. You can buy 12 handy-sized towels and get a return of 24 free. That's more than double your order. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is ridiculous. 
Buy 12 handy towels, get 24 free. Make sure you go check them out. It is the end of summer blowout sale. And when you order, make sure you tell them CFP sent you. Check them out at cooltowel.com. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll see you next time. Go Bucks! Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, raw, raw. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, chicken, turkey. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, raw, raw. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, turkey. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes. Beans, creams, potatoes, creams, potatoes. Beans, 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 greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, 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 beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.